What's up, guys? How y'all doing today? Chase H, CEO of Act Protect Engage. <laughs> I am the host of the Ape Academy podcast. Welcome, welcome to the podcast. We're glad to have you joining us on this beautiful Wednesday afternoon. Hump day. Ah, yeah. My boy, Organic Dope on the Beats, man. Everything is custom made for our podcast. Up and coming producer from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. The city of brotherly love. Yeah. All right, all right. Enough, enough. I <laughs> I'm not a freaking DJ in Vegas. <laughs> I like to think I'm cool enough to be one, but definitely not. All right, guys. Thank you for joining us once again. My name is Chase. I'm doing all the hosting here on the Ape Academy podcast, Act, Protect, Engage. We are killing it for 2022. All right. And our only sponsor for 2022 is the Ape Defensive Solutions LLC. The Ape Defensive Solutions LLC. We're taking over the social media game also. Ape Defensive Solutions is the parent company to the Ape Academy podcast. Please follow us on Instagram at a.p.eacademy. If you type in a.p, it'll pop right up. We're on Twitter at a underscore defensive. And we're also, of course, like all old people say, Oh, well, actually, my daughter says only old people are on Facebook now. We're on Facebook. <laughs> We're on Facebook as Ape Defensive Solutions. Right? So apparently only old people use Facebook. I know my daughter's 20 years old. I guess I guess kids don't use Facebook anymore. Anyway, we're on there also. Okay? So check us out on all social media platforms. Oh, we're on TikTok too. We're also on TikTok. <laughs> I keep forgetting about TikTok. I just don't know how to use it quite that well yet. We're on TikTok, man. I'll put the link um, in my Instagram story. But if you look up Ape Defensive, it'll pop right up on TikTok. Okay, guys? We're on TikTok. I got to keep reminding myself. Okay, so what's today's subject? If you guys tuned into the last episode, we talked about the 1911. Okay? It was a great podcast. I learned so much researching about the M1911A1 and about Mr. John Moses Browning. What a genius. What an innovator. He was also an instrumental part of our podcast today, which is going to be about the history of the shotgun. All right. The history of the shotgun. Now, I can't lie. I'm going to admit to you guys, I've been very, very partial to the pistol. Very, very partial. It's been very slanted <laughs> toward handguns. Just because I know that millions of people own handguns. But guess what? I think maybe more people own shotguns than handguns. Than pistols. The shotgun is one of the... Actually, I think it might be. The oldest firearm in the world. All right, in the world. 
it's, it's one of those weapons that is passed down from generation to generation. You know, your grandpappy had the shotgun. His father had the shotgun. His father had, had the same old double barrel shotgun that's been passed through the family. That's the type of firearm that the shotgun is. It's iconic. All right. It's powerful. It's terrifying. It's gorgeous. It's all those things. So we're going to discuss the shotgun today. I figured I would give the shotgun its due. Okay. It's time to put some respect on the shotgun's name, man. Put some respect on its name. And I'm going to give it that respect today. I'm not sure how long this podcast will be i might break it up into two parts because it's just so much that's involved in the history of the shotgun it's gone through a bunch of different different um stages a bunch of different evolutions throughout history so we might break it up into two parts we'll just see how long this goes i don't like making a podcast over like 45 minutes it starts getting long all right plus my voice starts kind of breaking and I start going loopy. <laughs> so start making mistakes. So I want to keep it within, I don't know what, 30 to 40 minutes. Let's try it, okay? Let's get after it, guys. All right, so we got three main sources today. We have the Aegeus Academy, Encyclopedia Britannica, and of course, Wikipedia. The source for everything, although you really need to fact check Wikipedia sometimes because any nut job can write anything on there. I remember when I was in college uh, at UVA, you, we could not cite Wikipedia in our um, historical papers, but this is not historical uh, academic research. And I always vet the sources, so we're good to go. All right, so history of the shotgun. The definition. What is a shotgun? What is the official definition of a shotgun. First things first. A smooth bore shoulder fired weapon designed to fire a number of pellets or shot that spread in a diverging pattern after they leave the muzzle. It is used primarily against small moving targets, especially birds. So, essentially, a shotgun is a smooth bore shoulder fired weapon. And it fires either pellets or shot, and it spreads in a diverging pattern after you pull that trigger. So the shotgun is designed to fire a round that is full of pellets, of smaller projectiles. And once it leaves the muzzle, it immediately breaks apart and spreads. So you want to, your target is not going to be necessarily a very small, specific area, right? You want your target to be more of, a, of an area weapon. The shotgun is more of an area weapon. That's what they call it in the military, an area weapon, kind of like a, a, a machine gun, right? You're, you're spraying an area with the machine gun. You're not just trying to hit, you know, the hair on the fly's butt with a, shot, with a, a shotgun. You're trying to hit a, a mm, pretty big area. Now, that doesn't mean you can't use it against an individual. It's just that the wound pattern, the shot pattern will be much bigger, Okay. So, the shotgun has been called a bunch of different names throughout time, throughout the ages, and it's been used many different ways. It's been used in both a military and a civilian context. It's, you know, as with most weapons, it starts off mainly for the military. Now, I'm not saying every weapon, 
because uh, there have been weapons like the karambit knife from the Philippines that started off as a tool for farmers. But many firearms especially, specifically, have been designed primarily in the beginning for the military, right? So designed for the battlefield, and then it transitions into civilian use, and civilians find ways to kind of adapt it to their everyday life. And that's what happened with the shotgun. The shotgun started off as a military weapon, and then people started using it to hunt birds, <laughs> and then it got super popular, okay? It's arguably the most versatile weapon ever invented in the modern age of warfare, and I, I would have to say, yeah, I agree with that. It's definitely very versatile. It can You can shoot someone or something, whether it be a, a deer, a duck, or a human being from either close or far. You can do both. The shotgun has also had many names over the years. The blunderbuss, the fouling piece, the scatter gun, the trench gun, and most recently, the modern incarnation, the shotgun. So it's been known by many different names. A lot of them were really, really cool names. I actually like trench gun. That's pretty dope. Um, but the shotgun is what is known as today as we speak. So we're going to start our story in 17th century Germany. All right. Man, the Germans just love war, man. I actually. Um, so you guys ever heard of Audible? Audible is an a, a audiobook app. And it's really cool because you speak. You have a, obviously like everything else, a monthly subscription and you get one credit a month and you can buy an audiobook with that credit. And today I bought a really interesting book um, that I just started listening to. I'm probably like three minutes in. It's called Blood and Iron. And it's the rise and fall of the German Empire from 1871 to 1918. I'm not going to go into a rant about German history. But Germany was not a unified country until around 1870, all right? Which is incredible how quickly and how powerful they became, you know, how quickly they rose and how powerful their empire had become considering how young of a country they actually are as a unified country. But anyway, that's going on a rant. That's for a different subject. Okay, a different podcast, I should say. All right, so the Germans were the first ones to use the shotgun. In the 1600s, they designed a weapon called da -da -da, the blunderbuss. Basically, it was a short musket loaded from the muzzle and fired from the shoulder. So this was one of the first, if not actually, it might be the first prototype of what we would now consider a, consider a modern firearm. Okay. And this was back in the 1600s. If you want to learn more about the history of the gun, I have actually have done a podcast about it early on. It's like the third podcast we've ever done. It's called The History of the Gun Through the Ages. And actually, I need to finish that up. <laughs> I actually stopped around the Revolutionary War, and I never came back to it. I need to get on that. But if you go back and you listen to a podcast, you'll learn that the Chinese invented gunpowder just playing around in a laboratory. They were trying to figure out how to find the elixir of life, 
right, of immortality, and he actually ended up discovering gunpowder, which is the exact opposite of the elixir of immortality, considering how many millions of people has killed over the centuries. But um, the blunderbuss was kind of like the first kind of shoulder-fired weapon that it will on the European continent for sure that actually used gunpowder in a shot form and actually scattered pellets or we're about to talk about that in a second so the blunderbuss had a wide smooth bore flared at the muzzle to a maximum width of four inches the flaring was intended to scatter the shot at close range which actually later scientists proved never never happened so they intended like with the way they designed the um the muzzle they figured hey if we if we design it in a flared form that when we pull that trigger the shot will scatter but that, that's not how it worked but it was very effective in like six inch range <laughs> like like you couldn't hit anything beyond like a foot but hey it was definitely a game changer on the European battlefield and also you know the Japanese were using guns too I mean it, they, were, they were being used all over the world but it really made an effect on the European continent this shit this uh I'm sorry this shame shame same weapon I can't talk man this same weapon became a fouling piece in the 1700s it was used by the British to hunt large birds with what is now called buck, uh, birdshot. So what they did was they kind of transformed it into what is called a fowling piece. And the British would use it to hunt large birds. And when they pulled that trigger, the birdshot would scatter. And that's how they were able to kill multiple birds with one shot, which is pretty interesting. So it immediately was taken and transformed from a mainly military weapon into a civilian form, into a civilian weapon used for hunting, used for recreation. You see how quickly things can be get taken from one form and kind of transformed and tinkered with and made great in another context? It's pretty interesting how technology evolves, and it evolves very quickly. Um, in 1776, the term shotgun was first used in Kentucky to differentiate between a smoothbore shotgun and a rifled musket. So this was to kind of show the difference between muskets and shotguns. Muskets shot a different projectile than a shotgun did. The musket ball did not scatter on him on um you know once it left the muzzle. It didn't scatter. It it flew straight. But the smoothbore shotgun shot shot, right? It was a shotgun when it when it fired the shot scattered everywhere. So they really had to make a distinct kind of line. They had to draw a line. They had to make a differentiation differentiation between a shotgun and a musket. All right? I'm making up words as I go, apparently. That's what happens when you do a, uh, a podcast. You start making up words that don't exist. My UVA professors would be appalled at my terrible... <laughs> mastery of the English language alright so 19th century American innovations during the civil war cavalry units favored the shotgun for close range combat and against moving targets it worked perfectly 
for mounted soldiers because a lot of the mounted combat, cavalry versus cavalry, was obviously within shoot, striking distance. It wasn't like the infantry who shot from across a field. Cavalry was always up close and personal, right? So they loved shotguns. After the Civil War, during the height of the American Indian Wars, settlers began moving westward in massive numbers, okay? And most of them were armed with some form of shotgun. These settlers came into conflict with various native tribes. They risked their life and limb to start a new life. They settled what is now known as the Wild West. It was a vast, open, dangerous, and foreboding territory. A new frontier. No one settled that area before. I mean, I can't even imagine. I'll, I'll be shook. I'll just stay in the cities. I ain't going out there. I don't know what's out there. All right, so you ever been on a cruise ship and you, which is kind of ooh, spooky to do, but stand on the, on the top deck. I don't know if, if anyone's been on a cruise ship. Have you ever stood on the top deck and kind of like looked out across the ocean and it's this vast, vast water as far as you can see, right? It's just endless, right? The same thing happened when settlers stood at that last kind of line of departure when they looked out into the wilderness, especially the grassland, it's just endless grass as far as you can see. No houses, no roads, it's not like it is now. This a sea of grass, unexplored, unexplored territory. You have no idea what's out there. So the balls it took for those settlers to take their families, their wives and their kids and go out there to start a new life is pretty incredible. And a lot of them trusted their safety and their family's safeties on the shotgun, which is pretty dope. By late 19th century, these, these weapons became largely replaced on the battlefield by breech-loading rifled firearms. However, in 1875, the invention of the double-barrel shotgun changed the game. It was the first firearm that used breech-loading technology. The double-barrel shotgun was a breech-loaded side-by-side or over-under weapon. This era of American history gave birth to the phrases riding shotgun and coach gun. All right, so you know how you jump in the whip and your boy's like, I got shotgun? <laughs> That's where it came from, this era of American history, the Wild West era. The term was really used for stagecoach drivers who were providing security for the strong boxes that were transported by stagecoaches and trains. So the term riding shotgun is really a reference to the security guards, the men who provided security for the stagecoaches that went west from east to west, carrying money, carrying passengers, and also trains. So back then they used trains and stagecoaches to move valuables right back and forth. And these guys guarded the stagecoaches a lot of times with shotguns, with double barrel shotguns, because they were very, very effective and devastating at close range, and they were easy to use. So coach riders and lawmen preferred the double barrel shotgun. It was short, it was easy to use, 
and the results were devastating at close range. In fact, for all you Wild West nerds, for all you Wild West fans, your boy, Doc Holliday, he actually used a side-by-side double-barrel shotgun, or, well, they called it a scatter gun back then, in his only verified, accredited, confirmed kill. He actually used a double-barrel shotgun. Tombstone is my favorite Western movie of all time with Val Kilmer, Kurt Russell. Man, Sam, I think it's Sam Elliott, too. Best Western ever made. If you haven't seen Tombstone, you better check it out tonight. All right. From 1887 to 1900, John M. Browning designed the first lever action, pump action, and auto-loading shotgun. This guy freaking designed everything. He developed everything. He is like the father of modern firearms. If you know anything about John Browning, you know that he changed the game. If you if you don't know much about John Browning, go back and listen to my podcast on the 1911 and the 45 ACP. <sighs> Incredible. The guy's a freaking genius. Like most of Browning's ingenious inventions the shotgun of today are still the same basic design that he invented over a hundred years ago the shotgun hasn't changed that much from when john moses browning submitted his designs started developing his designs it hasn't changed that much he invented the pump action shotgun he invented the freaking uh lever action and the auto-loading shotgun. He invented all that. Amazing. All right, guys, we're going to do a quick musical break so I can take a quick break. God bless y'all. Ape. Organic dope. We are back, guys. We are back. Thank you for joining me. Thank you. <laughs> I love the music, man. It's fire. Thank you, Mr. Organic Dope, for all the great music. All right, we're talking 20th century now. The shotgun was a highly effective weapon in the trenches of the First World War. American forces used the pump-action Winchester Model 1897 in close-quarter trench warfare. That was their favorite weapon. In the nasty trenches, hand-to-hand combat, the shotgun, I don't think there was a better weapon for that type of warfare. The shotgun was very effective. The American shotgun was short. It was fitted with a heat shield and a bayonet. It was extremely reliable in the trenches when compared to the bolt-action rifles of the time. So the bolt-action rifles were pretty unreliable at the time. They would jam, they would get dirty, they would break. But the shotgun could always be relied on for its rugged design and the way it could wound and kill multiple people with one shot. 
In the Second World War, Marines used pump-action shotguns to great effect in the tunnel and cave complexes of the Japanese in the specific theater. In the Pacific Theater. So they used their pump-action shotguns when they were clearing out the Japanese from islands like Iwo Jima, where they had really complex cave systems, really complex tunnel systems. And the uh, Pacific Theater was very, very violent and close, right? There's a lot of close combat because of the nature of the fighting. Dense, dense jungle, a lot of nighttime raids and ambushes. So the shotgun was very, very useful in clearing out the jungle. The M1 Garand was 43.5 inches long and was heavy. It weighed a whopping 11.6 pounds fully loaded. So the shorter barrel with buckshot proved to be very effective in extreme close quarters. So the M1 was a great weapon, but it was really heavy. And when you're lugging that thing around through the jungles, in the heat, you get tired pretty quick. The shotgun proved to be a little bit better for certain types of warfare in that theater. Very interesting. In Korea, the shotgun was also popular. In Vietnam, Navy SEALs used a freaking custom shotgun. It was modified. It was called a duckbill shotgun for combat in the dense, thick jungles. The muzzle of the barrel had a side cut, a type of choke system that produced a horizontal pattern with destructive effect. So the Navy SEALs, they found a modification they could do to their shotguns that would give it a little bit more punching power in the jungle. Their weapon of choice was the pump action Ithaca 10 gauge with a double op buckshot and the Remington 870 12 gauge. And those two were very popular among Navy SEALs behind enemy lines especially. In the 1980s, the shotgun took on prominent roles in urban operations and in urban terrain. The shotgun was effective as a ballistic breaching tool. It gave soldiers and law enforcement a quick, lightweight, and effective means of smashing through doors and locks. So you can blow through anything with a shotgun. Only the strongest door and the strongest lock will not break when you shoot it with a uh, slug all right, at close range. The U.S. Army uses the Benelli M4 autoloader. That's what the U.S. Army currently uses. So with breaching, breachers in infantry, breachers in the Marine Corps, breachers in the Navy, in special operations, they always use shotguns. They either use shotguns or they use explosives, okay? So the shotgun is obviously would be preferred over explosives, depending on the type of lock, depending on the type of door, right? Shotgun would be the first choice. The Army uses the Benelli. Currently, there are multiple manufacturers that are designing auto-loading shotguns with high-capacity box magazines, which is a pretty cool innovation considering where the shotgun first came from. The shotgun went from the blunderbuss, you had to load through the muzzle, right? And it was super, super unreliable, super heavy and cumbersome to a sleek, smooth, 
Mossberg shotgun. Freaking semi-automatic with a box magazine. That's pretty incredible. Now, let's talk about some general info about the shotgun. The shotgun comes in a uh, wide variety of calibers and gauges, ranging from 5.5 millimeter to up to 5 centimeters. The 12 and the 20 gauge are the most common and the most popular gauges shotgun. Almost all are breech loading. They can be single, double, or a combination. Different action types. We got the single shot and the repeating. The non-repeating designs, the over-under break action are the most popular, right, that are non-repeating. So, two different main action types, single shot and repeating. For all those that are non-repeating, the over-under and the break action are among the most popular, but most of them are repeating. Most repeating shotguns are either pump or semi-auto. Some are fully auto, some are lever, some are bolt action. Those are some other options, but most are pump or semi-auto. There are three basic, basic types of shotgun ammunition. Buckshot, double-op buck, birdshot, and slugs. Different uses for each one. Self-defense, I would use buckshot or slugs. Actually, birdshot too. They're all good for self-defense. It just kind of depends on your situation. If you got kids, if you're using a shotgun from a home, for a home defense, if you got kids, birdshot might be better. Buckshot and slugs are known to penetrate walls, so you got to be careful with that. But the trade-off is birdshot isn't as powerful. It doesn't have that punching power that the slug and the double-op buck have. So you got to keep that in mind. It will do damage. It will, it will do the trick. I've shot a lot of birdshot at the range with my shotgun, and trust me, you ain't walking through that. A construction at the end of the barrel is known as a choke. And the choke is used to specifically tailor the spread pattern for different purposes. So if you want to widen the spread pattern or narrow the spread pattern, you would adjust the choke. All right? So that's how you kind of mess around with the different spread. Make sense? So we're at what? 31 minutes. Perfect. <laughs> we want to talk a quick history of the shotgun. Nothing too fancy. The shotgun has evolved a lot. It had very humble beginnings like most firearms, but obviously now in the modern form, there are so many options of shotgun out there. It is ridiculous. I have a Rock Island Armory 12 gauge, and it's a great gun. It's a little long, right? I think it has a 20-inch barrel. So, all right. This is why I suggest for you guys. Now, this is off the top of the head. I'm no longer using any notes, okay? This is my personal opinion. For home defense, shotguns are okay depending on your situation. Depending on what type of house you live in, how many neighbors you have, do you have an apartment, do you have a ranch, a farm. Just keep that in mind. If you're loading your shotgun with, with slugs, right, it can penetrate a wall. What might be best for home defense is to load your shotgun with a combination of rounds. Maybe load a few rubber rounds in there. 
because they make non-lethal rounds as well. I actually didn't include that in the ammo section. They do produce non-lethal rounds like beanbag rounds and rubber ball rounds, okay? You can mix those in with birdshot or buckshot. I would use double lot buck, birdshot, or the non-lethal round for home defense. I would not use slugs. Slugs will go straight through a door. You don't want that because if you have kids, it could penetrate the bedroom walls. If you have a neighbor, if you live in an apartment complex, it could do the same thing. So you have to be very careful with, remember, civilian considerations, METC, mission, enemy, time, tactics, terrain, civilian considerations, all right, METC. So you always have to consider the terrain and the civilian considerations when you think about purchasing a particular firearm, all right? Now, shotguns also come in different lengths. The shorter shotguns are a little bit harder to control than ones with longer barrels, all right? So, especially ones with pistol grips. So, I put a video up on Instagram with a guy decked out in all this tactical gear, and he goes to the range, and he has this, this uh, pistol grip shotgun, and he shoots it, and it flies out of his hand straight back. <laughs> you have to know that the shorter the shotgun, the more powerful the recoil. All right. And if you're not the strongest person, maybe you're you're older or you're handicapped or you're a lady or you just don't have strong grip. Right. A pistol grip shotgun might not be the best option. You might want a longer shotgun with a, you know, a traditional buttstock or an adjustable buttstock because they make those too. I would prefer. Personally, for most people to have a shotgun with a traditional or adjustable buttstock. Now, if you're a little advanced, if you're more of an advanced shooter, or you're a bigger person, a stronger person, a short pistol grip shotgun works perfectly for in close. Maybe you can put it in your truck, keep it in your car or your truck as a truck gun. That works as well. If you're a breacher for law enforcement or military, it, you need a short barrel. A long barrel shotgun is not gonna work. All right, so just different Different tools for different scenarios, different tools for different missions, okay? But it's all the same. They shoot very similar rounds, all right? So you got two main types of gauges, 20 gauge and 12 gauge. The 20 gauge is going to be for folks who are a little bit weaker, don't like recoil, right? Maybe you don't want to blow someone's arm off. <laughs> a 12 gauge is very powerful, all right? So keep that in mind. Law enforcement, like patrol officers, they used to be armed with 12-gauge shotguns, but that was a long time ago. Now they have mostly uh, M4s or ARs, I, I think. I don't want to speak for every law enforcement agency out there, but I'm pretty sure most patrol cars have an M4 in it. They used to all have shotguns. Pretty interesting stuff. If you guys want to learn more about shotguns, man, there's a lot of great information out there. If you have any questions or concerns, please let me know, all right? Thank you so much for joining us. Another episode down. We will be back on Friday. I'm trying to do a podcast every like two or every like two or three days. Right? I don't want to do too many, but I don't want to lose my momentum. All right. I'm working on it, guys. God bless y'all. Remember, put your family first. Put God first. Stay positive. Get after it. Work hard. Don't quit on your dreams. Don't let anybody tell you you cannot do something. Love y'all. Stay safe. Ape. Ooh. Yes, sir. Thank you, Organic Dope.
Yeah. <laughs>